This is the After Party, live with Jim McAllister and John Daly. Good Tuesday to you. Hello, good Tuesday to you too. How's it going over there? I am well. I was listening to the Mark Thompson show and um, you said Tashkent and I immediately yelled Uzbekistan. You knew. I have a friend friend from Tashkent and he's promised to take me there someday because it's difficult to go there if you don't speak the language. No one speaks English. So you would have to have a tour guide. We were looking at pictures of Tashkent. I don't know if you were looking at the screen and it actually looks like kind of a cool place. Yeah. And my mom is from Iran, so, uh, you know, the reason why Tehran is cheap is because of the sanctions. Yeah. Yeah. She actually has property there, and she can't really, she's hesitant to sell it because it's not worth anything right now. But people, you know, you, convert it to like dollars. regular, normal Americans of, uh, you know, common stock can't really go to Iran. They don't just let any riffraff in, do they? Uh, well, <laughs> they if you have an American passport. By riffraff, um, I mean myself. Uh I don't think they let any, I don't think they, well, they, for a period of time, I think if you got a visa, you were allowed to go, but um, it's the kind of thing, like, if you go, the United States, like, washes their hands of it, and they say, like, there's no, if you get in trouble, there's no recourse. Oh, yeah. And uh, I just don't think it's a smart idea for me to go, because I used to work for the Department of Defense, mm-hmm. and they're looking for any excuse to, yeah. like, claim that you're a spy or you're in the military, Sure. And uh, the idea of being locked up for some stupid reason, just, you know, I'll wait for the revolution. So claiming you're a you're a journalist or a news person on a, a, a trio of podcasts, that's not going to look good. Yeah. You know? I mean, there's but uh, I Europeans, do news, go, Europeans you know? go there all yeah. the time. I've spoken to many Europeans um, really? and they say they like it. I have cousins um, that are citizens of both countries. Mm-hmm. Um, if your father is Persian, you're immediately a citizen. But my mother is Persian, so I'm not a citizen, that's which I'm OK sad. with because I was not like subject to yeah. their uh, rules. Yeah, the military service and all that kind of stuff. Right. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, Tash Um, Kent, put it on the list. Tash Kent, indeed. So you sent me the story, and it's interesting. We were talking about this whole Bolt situation on the on the seven thirty seven Max nine jet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was looking at the story that you sent, and fascinated by what they had to say today. The FAA was talking. Um. About, about what happened and they were discussing the situation with united saying that oh that bolts were loose right when they didn't right went back and did inspections that the bolts were loose and now the uh the spokesperson for the faa came out today and said um actually we're not sure she said this is Jennifer Homendy, the NTSB chair, not the FAA, the NTSB. She said, in this situation, fittings at the top of the door plug fractured. And she said this, we don't know if the bolts were loose. We don't know if the bolts were in there fractured. Or we don't mm. know if the bolts were there at all. Whoa. And you <laughs> no had reported, bolts at all? You had reported yesterday that the alarm... Uh, the indicator had gone on that there was a pressure. Three problem. times the warning times. light in the plane talking about pressure issues had gone off three times to the point where they said, all right, 
this plane is not cleared to fly over the open ocean anymore. It needs to only fly where it can get to an airport quickly. So it's okay for it to blow up over the U.S., but not <laughs> not over the ocean. Over the water. No. Good luck. Well, everyone. at least like you know, if it's in the on, on the way to Hawaii, it's if you're halfway there. I think if that indicator came on, it's time. It's yeah. time for an, uh, yeah. a complete inspection. That's I found right. it interesting that they said that they were waiting for the FAA to like allow them permission to inspect the plane. Can't they inspect their plane all the time? Like, shouldn't they be doing that? I guess there's routine no, inspections, think, and I'm sure there's processes, protocols, and standards. Yeah, I think but once it happens, once something happens with they it, they kind of lock down the FAA. They circle because they don't want you to tamper with evidence. I don't really want to get on any of these 737s, the, the Max, the Max Eight and Nine. And we talked about before. This is the plane where they purposely so, made the plane front heavy by putting the engine further forward, I guess for efficiency of fuel or something like that. But then the software has to keep balancing the plane out. It's like, well, here's my, uh, thing. I don't want to go on this plane. If you couldn't screw down the bolts or possibly forgot to put the bolts in at all, what else did you forget? Like, yeah. What and else? Looks like the fuselage, it looks like it comes from a, a, a third party contractor. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Looks like all know. kinds of corners were cut, maybe on this one. Speaking yeah. of the that situation, though, where the what do they call it? The door plug blew out of the plane. What they had there was a situation. Kind of touched this whole thing off. Yeah. This iPhone survived a sixteen thousand foot drop. It was sucked right out of the plane, right out of this the. This is like an amazing commercial for thing. Apple. It totally um, is. <laughs> and granted, yeah. my latest iPhone has dropped a couple times, and I have a case similar to this one where it's around the edges mm -hmm. um so it hasn't broken in the past the only cracks i've had are like from a direct corner impact and then it kind of like fractured at an angle there um you know how a lot of people just completely crash their they break their screens and it looks like a kaleidoscope yeah uh, but that hasn't happened the last i think two iphones i've had i haven't had any problems but this is i mean this is the ultimate well you would right? think for sixteen thousand feet for it to land yeah, that it would have just blown up on impact, right? It would have shattered in a million different directions because well, the... it must have it must have landed on something like plant life or something, something spongy, something absorbed, the fall. Yeah. Well, something absorbed. Yeah, the fall or the impact still sixteen thousand feet. Yeah, you're Come now on. free to fly. the case and the screen projector <laughs> look good as new. There was just a tiny issue, which was a broken off charger plug still inside. But despite that, everything seemed to be working just fine. No problem. Wow. Thank you, Hal. Everything's working according to plan. That's exactly it. Well, yeah, you I, know what else is in you. the plan? Alligators. Alligators. This one's shout out to, uh, to Kim. I love alligators. I love stories about alligators. Not necessarily well, alligator do I want to see alligators. Alligator-like creatures. This is an elusive alligator-like creature found in the treetops of Mexico. They say it is a new species. Welcome, little mini gator. Tucked into the treetops of an southern Mexico. An alligator-like creature? Is that like a valley girl? Alligator-like. It's an alligator-similar creature, oh, right? Like, um, totally. It is unusually large it avoided detection for being unusually large so when scientists found this animal it was a new species because it hadn't been seen before so they they say this is a tree-dwelling lizard from coapia and of course this is all in the journal plos one and they found plus these one? plos one plos 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 oh, i thought plos. it was for like taking somebody to an event 
plus one. Um, this lizard, <laughs> this lizard was found on five expeditions between 2015 and 2022, and it was extraordinary with extraordinary difficulty. They spent more than 350 hours searching the ground, used climbing gear to search the limbs and the canopy of about 20 trees. Eventually, they found five of these alligator-like lizards. They took a closer look. They realized they discovered a new species. They're calling it Abronia cunemica, the Coapia arboreal alligator lizard. It is unusually large. It can reach about 9.8 inches in length. They've got yellow brown scaly bodies, darker brown blotches in some spaces. The eyes are pale yellow with dark flecks. So welcome. Yeah, this arboreal lizard. Very in coloring, but um, looks like it, it has the situation where it can have a broken tail and maybe grow it back. I don't know. Very cool. They didn't say okay. what they eat. They didn't say, like, do they eat people? People? They didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, they didn't say. They did say they're sedentary for part of the year. Yeah. They like to just hang out. So they're like people. <laughs> they're like, like people. They're like alligators, yeah. but they're also like humans. They're exactly right. Yep. Uh, this next story... Uh, uh, is about a dog. And this was sent okay. in by uh, viewer listener DL. So thank you. Shout out to DL for sending Yay, this in. Thank a you for the help. A picky golden doodle will only eat dog food after the owners pretend to add ranch <laughs> dressing to it. A 14-year-old dog's owner describes her as very demanding and very vocal. Reminds me of my Archie, my cat. Zoe, a 14-year-old golden doodle, is a fussy eater. But her owners have a creative way of persuading her to consume her kibble. They pretend to season the dog food with salad dressing. This is pretty funny, don't you think? I think it's great. We have yeah. video? Uh, we do have video, but I'm okay. stalling because my computer's slow. Oh, um, okay. In a video posted uh, on TikTok Sunday, Zoe can be seen refusing her food bowl until a closed bottle, <laughs> uh, a closed bottle of ranch dressing uh, is waved over it and uh, upon which the food in the bowl seemingly becomes appetizing um which is pretty funny uh and uh apparently sorry, this all started with there. they were trying to trick her because yeah. she has okay. to have this prescription food and if she doesn't have this wetness on top of the food she doesn't she eat doesn't it want, yeah and they they ran out of of canned food so they're trying to fool her into eating this kibble without introducing anything that could make her sick or cause her tummy trouble because she has some digestive issues. And so that's when they started resorting to this ranch dressing trickery. And now she just has to have it. So let's check out the video here. That's awesome. That's pretty, that's pretty funny. I mean, hey, you know, she needs to have a certain system, a certain routine. Right. That's the way it is. I love it. She needs to feel special. I am in love with this next story about this man who had this messy workbench. And he notices right. that it's it's being cleaned up at night. And he's like, what in the ever-loving world? So he sets cameras around, right, to see what's going on. Every night, this little mouse comes. And instead of making a mess, 
fucking takes things and puts them back in this tray over and over again <laughs> every night. And it got to the point where the guy would just leave stuff out, like make a mess on purpose just to see like, yeah. if, and could the happen? mouse lift heavier things and would she put away or it put away things that were larger items? This mouse has to have a clean house. It's awesome. We have a video so we can see the yeah. mouse. Here it is. Cleaning, cleaning up. There she goes. I say I'm calling it a she. For some reason, I think of it as she. She has to be the clean one. You just one, right? don't want to say that it's a he. It's a he that that's being sense. clean. Yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't There's make just, sense. He leaves out this kind of tr box tray thing, and the mouse has to go through and put everything back in the tray. She's probably thinking, it's probably thinking, people are slobs. Like, how can this guy leave all this stuff every night? But yeah, has to be all back in. And so he comes in every morning. And all the stuff is back in the tray. It's awesome. I love it. He said there's some nights where maybe the mouse can't get in or something happens or who knows. But most nights when he leaves a mess, he comes back in. It's all cleaned up. Isn't that That's amazing? Cool. I know. That's pretty cool. It reminds me of the mice from the Cinderella um, animated movie. You know, oh, they're right. all picking up and doing things. And yeah, pretty good. Um, from mice, though, to cats. Yeah, you know, when I can find a cat story, it's mm -hmm. going to happen. This cat flees from its owner at a truck stop, turns up 670 miles away. Oh, man. Wow, that's pretty crazy. That is um, wild. Yeah. I don't know. If I had a cat, I don't think I'd be taking it to a truck stop, would you? No. Well, but people no, travel it, with their animals sometimes. Maybe, yeah, you know, you but, go into a truck stop because you're, and I think a lot of truckers maybe have a little like living space in the back. So maybe yeah, they leaving the cat like without a leash and opening the door. I don't know. It doesn't seem safe. Um, an Illinois trucker, especially there are going to be dogs around too, I'm sure. An Illinois trucker was reunited with his cat after the feline fled from his vehicle during a pit stop at a truck stop in Nevada, Nevada. Chad McIntyre of Decatur said his cat, Tyler, often accompanies him on long-haul drives. Yeah, so this cat, I guess, apparently lives with the family at home, but then will go off on uh, to visit or, you know, to, to, to keep him company when he's traveling. It's nice that he's lying there in the passenger seat. And yeah, he usually doesn't talk back, but it's nice to have somebody, somebody uh, something to talk to. McIntyre said he was changing Tyler's litter box when the feline wandered off at a Flying J truck stop in Fernley, Nevada. I had to deliver to Walmart, so I had to leave, and I was gone for about two and a half hours. I came right back, started looking for him again. The next day, I had to go to California. Then when I came back the next night after that and tried to look for him again, still couldn't find him. Wow. The Brandy McIntyre, Chad's wife, sounded the alarm about Tyler's missing status on the trucker social media network and missing pet groups on uh, Facebook. Tyler turned up five days later. Where do you think he was? Mm. I don't know where he was. Was he at the a different, a a different Flying J, a different oh. <laughs> Flying J truck stop in Rock Springs, Wyoming, wow. about 670 miles away from Fernley, Nevada. The cat was taken to a local animal shelter and scanned for a microchip, which gave rescuers McIntyre's contact information. So that's why one of the many reasons why you should get your, mm -hmm. uh, your, your cats uh, microchipped. Yeah. Um, do they microchip dogs? Yeah. Oh, totally. They do. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't see why they wouldn't, I guess. 
Uh, Rock Springs Animal Control Supervisor uh, Lydia Gomez worked with Independent Transport Coordinator Joan Nickham to get Tyler a ride home to Illinois. That was very cool of them, all the way to Illinois. Nickham Mm -hmm. coordinated a series of drivers to take Tyler from shelter to shelter along the route until he was home in Decatur. There's no way we could have done it without the many, many volunteers who used their time, their own money, and cars to make these transports. That was really cool. cool. Yeah. volunteers getting the cat. Well, from cats now to the terror beast. This is an animal that is extinct, but apparently is a pretty formidable worm. Yeah, an ancient worm. Half a billion year old remains of some enormous extinct carnivorous worms have been discovered near the top of the world. This by an international team of researchers. They call this ancient creature Timor Timore bestia or terror beast in Latin. It lived in the water column of North Greenland more than 518 million years ago. The fossils of this terror beast indicate that these were worms that had fins on the sides of their bodies, a head you can see there on the screen with long antenna and enormous draw structures on the insides of their mouth. They could grow almost 12 inches long. They were some of the largest swimming mammals of the early Cambrian period, and they are described in the January Journal of Science Advances. When these terror beasts were alive more than 500 million years ago, it was at a time when the Earth was undergoing a major expansion of life. They called it the Cambrian Explosion. And this is when a lot of major groups of animals first appear in the fossil record. Um, this, This one was found during a 2017 expedition to this area, the Cambrian Sirius Passet Fossil Locality is what they call it. It's a remote area near North Greenland. And they think that Timor bestia, the terror beast, is one of the earliest carnivorous animals to have colonized the water there. And they have a potential dynasty of predators that were previously unknown to scientists. They say these early arthropods were known to be the dominant predators during this period. Yeah. Interesting and creepy. And oh my God, come near me, right? Yeah, I'm okay. Uh, You can keep all your beasts. Keep Keep my terror beast and move on. Speaking of beasts, Leeds, Alabama. (laughs) A man crashed his car outside a Bass Pro Shop in Alabama. Oh no. This is a Mad Lib story. Surprise, this isn't Florida. Stripped down to his birthday suit and plunged into the giant aquarium inside the store. There he is. The ordeal happened. Oh, man. The ordeal (laughs) happened Thursday night in front of shocked shoppers uh, in town just outside uh, Birmingham. Leeds Police Chief Paul Irwin said the 42-year-old Alabama man did a cannonball leap into the aquarium. Cannonball! And then stood (laughs) under a waterfall. He left the water to yell at two officers, then dove back into the aquarium. (laughs) The man eventually climbed over the side of the aquarium and fell to the concrete floor below. Police then apprehended him, according to local news reports. He faces several charges, including public lewdness, disorderly conduct, and criminal mischief. Uh, The man... The man was in the water for about five minutes before officers arrived. That's pretty fast. I have to say, that's a pretty nice aquarium. Look at that. It's got a waterfall, yeah. pretty big. That's full of fish, though. I don't know if I want to be in there with all those fish. Five-minute police response time. That's his, impressive. His body parts are pixelated, so you yeah. can't see his manhood. And yeah. his little bottom is pixelated in this one. But yeah, sure ends up in handcuffs. Shrinkage. Off he goes. The water's probably cold. 
hey, well, if you're going to crash in front of the Bass Pro Shop, why not take a swim, right? Silver linings. It's all about the silver linings. Here's oh, some, here's some ants linings. for you. Oh, uh, I thought they were spiders. Those are ants. No, these are the ants. These ants could save us from infections. Uh, I know they look a little uh-huh. creepy. Apparently, they have this mm, substance on the in their jaws and their saliva. Like and goo? when goo, this goo that emanates from them. Yes. Um, and so they eat these um, termites. And the termites bite back. And that leaves these ants with some dangerous uh, injuries. But they have this saliva-based system where they treat their fellow ants' injuries. They're called metabial ants, metabial, M-A-T-A-B-E-L-E, metabial ants. And so they could possibly can tell if a wound is infected or not, and then treat the infected wound with the antibiotics produced in their own saliva. Jeez. This coming from the journal Nature Communications in December of 2023. They are found in the Sahara Desert in Africa, these metabial ants. They can be about an inch long. They're one of the largest known ants on earth. The termites, termites that they eat often inflict these life-threatening injuries. Up to 22% of ants can lose one or more of their legs during these encounters. The injured ants are sometimes even carried back to the nest by their fellow ants for recovery. So the main cause of death for ants is infection from this bacteria. But these ants have been observed treating wounds with something called P. aruginosa. All right. This is something that go, that's in their saliva. They have been known to lick wounds in an effort to possibly curb the growth of that bacteria. Um, they don't uh, actually know if they have an infection, but metabial ants may have more discriminating oh, they're not doctors. No, but they have, they say they might actually know, they might have a discriminating brain and can tell if the wound requires treatment due to specific changes in the chemical profile of an infected wound versus an Jeez. uninfected wound. So, so they don't need a medical degree. No, it's natural. It's instinctual. And because of this, scientists are now analyzing the chemical composition of their saliva to see if maybe it has antimicrobial compounds or proteins or something that might be able to help people. So there Can you go. Can you imagine if humans did that? They're like, mm, I don't know. You might have an infection. Infection. Let me lick your wound. We're always exactly. <laughs> no, Let me, come here. Bring that over here. Let me lick it. We um we're always looking though for new antibiotics, right? New ways to treat infections in the human population. So mm. what they say, though, is with the exception of humans, it doesn't seem like any other living creature carries out this type of sophisticated medical wound treatment, that this might be specific to these ants. Wow. So, yeah. But I mean, maybe, maybe metabial ants can help human beings. Who knows? Would they want to, though? We keep killing all their relatives. Well, as we have resistance to antibiotics, we're going to need more and more things like this. So, yeah. Interesting. Um, something else that's interesting, coal miners in North Dakota have unearthed a mammoth tusk. A lot of stuff is found in North Dakota. Mm. Uh, um, there's not much else going on in there. Plenty mm. of time to look for a mammoth tusks buried for thousands of years. Fossil hunters are celebrating the discovery of a mammoth tusk and other bones unearthed in a coal mine in North Dakota. Ew. Story out of uh, Bismarck. The first person to spot it was a shovel operator. 
um, working with the overnight shift, eyeing a glint of white as he scooped up a giant mound of dirt and dropped it into a, a dump truck. Later, after the truck dumped the load, the dozer driver was ready to flatten the dirt, but stopped for a closer look when he spotted a bit of white. Only then did the miners realize they had unearthed something special, a seven-foot-long mammoth tusk Whoa. that had been buried for thousands of years. We were very fortunate, lucky to find what we found, according to the executive of North American Coal, which owns the mine. The miners unearthed the tusk from an old stream bed about 40 feet deep at the Freedom Mine near Beulah, North Dakota. The 45,000-acre surface mine produces up to 16 million tons of lignite coal per year. Big, oh, beautiful wow. coal. Big, beautiful, polluting coal. We're After still doing spotting... that? Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Yep, power plants all over the country. Um, after spotting the tusk, the crews stopped digging in the area and called in the experts who estimated that it was between 10,000 and 100,000 years old. A paleontologist wow. with the North Dakota Geologic Survey was among those to respond. I wonder if he got there in five minutes. He expressed surprise that the mammoth tusk hadn't suffered more damage considering the massive equipment used at the site. It's uh, miraculous that it came out pretty much unscathed. Wow. Uh, subsequent dig at the discovery site found more bones. He described it as a trickle of finds totaling more than 20 bones, including a shoulder blade, ribs, a tooth, and part of hips. But it's uh, likely to be the most complete mammoth found in North Dakota, where it's much more common to dig out, uh, dig up an isolated mammoth bone, tooth, or a piece of a tusk. So, well, the hips uh, don't lie, right? Um, Shakira, Shakira. I thought that it was seven feet long. That must be one of the bones they're holding. I don't know. And you know, the construction workers are like, damn it. Now we don't get paid. We have to stop work. Here come the bones. Here come the, all the archaeologists. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. sure they were just kind of you know, excited. Yeah. It was seven feet long. So they're holding up one of the other yeah. bones. I'm, uh, I'm down for bugs today, apparently. This is a cicada. Yeah. This guy, he's coming to a theater near you and very, uh -oh. very, very soon. This is called the Brood X1X, and it is expected to emerge across parts of the Southeast. X1X? Is it a spy for China? It is. And then the Brood X111, what is that? 13? It's expected to emerge across parts of Illinois and Indiana. It's very rare to have both of these broods come out at the same time. It happens every 221 years, to be exact. Whoa. And so they're calling it cicada mania. The next major emergence of the periodical Ow, cicada brood. Rock and roll. <laughs> That's right. Here comes cicada mania. So they're expected to emerge across parts of Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, Louisiana, Missouri, Mississippi, North Carolina, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Virginia. All so these the Midwest cotton. and the South. That's right. It's not California. Thank Look the at the, the eyes. They're kind of like falling back there. Oh, kind of creepy looking. Yeah, they're going to come out. It's going to be cicada mania. They're mostly harmless. The noise of these insects can be disruptive, though. Apparently, they're loud. And the eggs from adult cicadas land on twigs and shoots, and that could damage orchards and trees and such. Yeah, are you so, saying cicada? Is it? Did I get it wrong? I think it's. I think it's cicada. I think oh, is it six cicada? I think Karen's right. Okay, sorry, cicada. You say cicada, I say cicada. I hate to but correct I, you because I, I think you're like actually right. No, 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 not at all. It, I think she's right. It is cicada. Um, but I think you you endure enough mansplaining. It's a cicada mania. 
cicada mania. So there you go. Yeah. There you go. Pretty cool. Um, this next story, also very cool, between landlord and tenant. Brittany Richard is the CEO of her own cosmetics company, Coda Skincare, which she started in 2019. Last year, she became a landlord when she bought her first investment property. The apartment building in New Orleans has 10 units. And according to Ricard, many of the tenants are single women with children. That made her think of her own childhood growing up in public housing and how difficult Christmas time could be for her mother. It was rough, she told CBS News. My mother was a single woman raising three children alone, and I watched her continuously struggle as a child and wanted to help figure it out. Um, you know, can I help? In November, Ricard gathered her tenants for a pre-holiday meeting, and while decked out in a chartreuse suit, she delivered a gift to her tenants that would make Santa Claus green with envy. One month of free rent. Oh, so nice for people that need it so much. Yeah, wow. a video of her surprise announcement went viral on TikTok. In the video, Ricard also offered to organize a seminar to help her tenants become homeowners. Kadisha Dunn lives in one of the building's units with her two boys. The single mom said Ricard's gift would allow her family to celebrate more and worry less. Now I, you know, I don't have to go try to take out a loan or something or ask my family for money. Dunn said, like, I can do it now. Like, I can do it. I'm an emotional person. She said, I started to cry because um, I'm just like, that's so sweet. She's a, she's better than Santa Claus at this point, like a guardian angel. Yeah, that's so really, that, really that nice. That was a sweet holiday story. Really, really cool. I love it. What a, yeah, she's like a, an elf ninja. That's so cool. Okay. <laughs> robots. Let's go to robots because there's a Samsung robot. They can't get refrigerators right to save their lives, but they can do robots apparently they call this one bally the samsung robot and here's i have a couple pictures here is here's the original what it did it it shines okay. a picture on the floor like projecting yeah it's a projector shines a picture on the floor so it was like it was a cool robot when it was first introduced but what else can it do well now it can shine a picture up on the wall. Why do you need one when you have a TV right next to you? You ask. Well, I don't know. In case you want it, it can shine a picture on the counter. It can shine a picture on the wall. It can do all these really cool things. It can also help feed your pets or distract them with movies from a built in projector. Okay. It's called Bally. Um, it's an updated Bally bot. It's a rolling projector. It was first introduced in 2020 at the CES show. Um, originally designed with a camera and wireless capabilities that allow it to serve as an autonomous rolling security camera that could patrol homes while the owners were away and control smart home devices as needed. But what it could do was pretty limited. Like, do you really need a camera following you around the house when your smartphone is kind of in your pocket, right? And but do you really is... need a rolling, roving projector? Are there That's situations kind of where what I like... wonder? Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, this is a new and improved larger Bally that was revealed by Samsung at the CES 2024 press conference this week. It offers similar functionality to the original, including an onboard camera with AI-powered object and facial recognition smarts, the ability to interact and control other smart devices. Um, they didn't say why you need the robot to turn on and off your lights instead of doing it yourself, but um, okay. So 
this is a built-in video projector that allows the robot to project movies on a wall, cute animations on the floor, work documents on a desk. The all-in-one projectors can be taken from room to room and easily set up as they're becoming more popular. So Bally follows you around your house and automatically adjusts its throw angle, which they say could be the easiest mobile home theater solution yet. I didn't know that was a problem. So yeah. and how's it going to project on a desk and it's not going to climb the desk, right? You got to yeah, put it, set up, it up there. Yeah. And what's just the point? Grady uh, says my fridge is new, Kim. Don't say that. I'm sorry, but if you have a Samsung refrigerator, my, my Did you have apologies one? to you. Oh yeah. It's awful. Awful. Oh, I didn't. And you know, now that I read all the reviews and all the complaints yeah. of these things. Oh yeah. Anonymous says Samsung wasn't happy taking our data from smart TVs. Now they have a bot that scans our home like a Roomba Amazon. Cool. <laughs> totally right. <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah. So Bally the robot. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'll be buying you anytime soon. Yeah. I, um, I, I helped our contractor remodel my mom's uh, kitchen and we, she wanted stainless steel. And so we got all the KitchenAid appliances and the KitchenAid fridge was like $3,600. Or thirty-seven hundred dollars. Wow. It was a nice fridge, you know, the French yeah. doors and whatnot. But it's middle level. It has like the drain where the you know the condensation is supposed to you know drip out, mm -hmm. and it it get it would get plugged up and then it froze. And then we had service people under out out there, and luckily I had the warranty extended. Yeah, and it was serviced like two or three times. And every time you have to service the fridge, that's not fun because you got to get all no. these coolers, and you know you have to have a place for all the food, right? Yeah. And then um, it just kept on breaking, kept on breaking, kept on breaking, you know, and finally broke again and it, fro yeah. it froze up. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to get a General Electric uh, French door uh, refrigerator and yeah. it's way better. It's yeah. simpler. Um, but a lot of these high end or mid to high end uh, appliances, they're not, you know, it's just it's just window dressing. It's so like it looks nice, but it's not good quality. I, I didn't realize this when we bought our refrigerator, but it has a problem historically this particular model of samsung fridge with the ice maker so first the yeah. ice maker breaks and i think i've had the, it fixed multiple times to the point now we've disconnected the ice maker but even if you disconnect the ice maker there's some mechanism by which water still leaks into every single drawer oh, so man. maybe once every three weeks i have to take all the drawers out of the refrigerator yeah. and totally scrub them down because they're all filled with skunky water and i yeah. can't really keep anything in the drawers because if you keep stuff in the drawers it gets wet and gross unless it's encased in plastic yeah. so it's a it's a mess i mean you can't use half the space in the refrigerator well, and then the um, dishwasher we got her is KitchenAid, but the problem is, I mean, it's good for the environment, but bad for her is that the the new ones are energy efficient, right? But it doesn't dry the the pots and pans. It like it doesn't dry the plates, so it's like it doesn't have heat, a setting for that. It 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 has a dryer, but it doesn't do a good enough job, and oh. it doesn't really clean well because it's like maybe it's a lighter spray. But right. the old General Electric that she used to have yeah. did a really bang up job. Um, so. Um, but she has a wolf stove, which was the Cadillac. That yeah. was that was the main thing she wanted. Yeah. Uh, and she has a wolf gas stove, uh, which if you're going to get a gas stove, it's really nice. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. She does a lot of cooking, too. Well, she said, she, you know, she rationalizes it by saying that, you know, she doesn't go out to dinner. So, you know, it makes sense. Um, Take me to the moon. So they had a problem, I guess. We're not going to the moon. Is that what happened? <laughs> okay. I thought we were going to break, but we'll we'll do this really okay. quick. A spacecraft. You remember when we were talking about the two companies that were going to go to the moon? Uh, and the Peregrine Mission 1 
took off from Florida, right? Spacecraft mm-hmm. carrying a piece of technology developed by British scientists has run into trouble. Peregrine Mission 1 is the first U.S. rocket due to land on the moon's surface since Apollo 17, 1972, but may now not be able to proceed. The astrobotic company behind the project says that an anomaly has stopped it from pointing its solar panels at the sun, leaving it with the ability without the ability to charge its batteries. That's a problem. A video of the takeoff was captured at Cape Canaveral in Florida, um, and uh, it will explore the natural satellite's atmosphere by measuring water and other molecules. But astrobotic chief John Thornton said, today Peregrine Mission 1 achieved a number of big milestones. It powered on, it acquired a signal with Earth, and now it's moving through space on its way to the moon. Um, These successes bring us one step closer to seven nations uh, landing on the moon, six of which have never been to the moon before. Um, So... It represents the first time an instrument uh, on the moon uh, has been built in the UK and in Europe, which is cool for them. Um, but anyway, yeah, another another update. So, you know, one step forward, two steps back. So we are one headed to the moon. All right. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. When we come back, we'll talk about a new uh, vegetable that's kind of overtaking kale as the go-to mm. vegetable. Yeah, I know. Who wants that, right? Uh, we'll do some entertainment news, and then Mockingbird joins us for Travel Tuesday. That's straight ahead oh, right, right, on right, the After right. Party Live. That's right. The After Party Live is underwritten by our audience, and without you, this show wouldn't be possible. If you can contribute $10, $15, or $20 a month, it would keep this party a rockin'. The PayPal link can be found in the About section of the YouTube channel or at the bottom of the show description. Any dollar amount is appreciated, and it all adds up. On behalf of Kim and myself, thank you for your consideration. Aloha, bitches. It's the After Party Live. Humongous thank you. Heartfelt and so sincere. Thank you so much for contributing to the show. Ongoing supporters, Yvonne B. and Gretchen L., both of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we are a very small budget operation. We're a little low on the uh, contributions this last past week. So if you'd like to contribute, if you like the show... If you could contribute $5 a month, we'd be set. If everybody who can contribute, who enjoys the show, I don't think that's a lot, right? Five bucks. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. like a, that's like a latte. You know what it's not? It's not this. Oh, no. Uh, what is this? I don't know. This is some kind of root so, you're trying to shove into my life. This is a root. This is the new kale. It's an, un- <clears throat> it's an unlikely ingredient. It is a new vegetable taking over the culinary world, or should I say culinary? It's the celery root. A bulbous root of variety of celery, also known as celeriac, shaping up to be a trendy new delicacy. Yeah, it's a slightly nutty vegetable making waves uh, with... uh, you know, how we're popularizing vegan and plant-based meals. While right. this celery root is popping up as a plant-based meat alternative in restaurants meat. around the country. Yeah. Instead of meat, you have celery root plant alternative. Does it have a lot of protein? Don't ask questions. Oh. You, <laughs> you mix it with potato purees. You dress it in a remoulade. The knobby root now getting top billing in many kitchens where it's thick flesh works as replacement meat in creative vegetarian dishes. So mm-hmm. it's got the feel of meat. That's what I'm getting yeah. so far. Get the feel of meat. Restaurants are offering celery root Milanese in place of chicken. 
Mm-hmm. A celery root tartare instead of raw steak. One eatery in Anaheim near Disneyland even serves salt-baked celery root as an alternative to their beef pastrami smoked short rib. So, celery root, the interest is climbing. Don't you want some? Did I make you want it? No? Mm, Okay. Even on Google, searches for celery root recipes have spiked over the last few months. People are looking to make celery root shawarma steak. Sloppy Joe's, celery root sloppy Joe's. My kids would not eat it. Maybe, I mean, maybe it tastes like not celery root. I don't maybe know. Maybe you should experiment. I'm sure David could cook something with Whip celery up root. Some celery good. root? I don't know. Make it a challenge. That's uh no. Mm-mm. I'm sure he would come through for you. I'm sure he would. Nope. You know who else comes through? Old Grady people. Kincaid. Oh, Grady. Thank you. With $10 super sticker. And oh, nice. Says, I sincerely enjoy your program. You're appreciated. Thank you both. Thank you, Grady. Oh, you really are appreciated. Nice. Thank yeah, you, you so are. much. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thanks, Grady. Um, Escaping the city, living closer to nature benefits older adults mentally and physically. Americans have been leaving big cities and droves in recent years. And now a new study from our favorite people is giving older adults another reason to move. Scientists from Washington State University have found that even small, seemingly insignificant differences in the availability of green and blue spaces across urban areas may contribute to improved mental and physical health. In other words, the more nature near your home, the better you'll likely feel. Study authors found that just 10% more forest space in a person's zip code uh, contributes to a reduction in serious psychological distress, which refers to mental health problems that require treatment and may interfere with one's social life, work, or school. Meanwhile, another 10% increase in green space, tree cover, water, or nature trails also appeared to lower the odds that older individuals reported their general health as either poor or fair. Our findings suggest that the loss of our urban green and blue spaces due to rapid urbanization may not just have an environmental impact, but could also have a public health impact as well, says the first study author, Aditha Vegaraju. A medical student with uh, WSU's Elson S. Floyd College of Medicine in a university release. These findings are based on a health survey uh, data that was collected from over 42,000 people aged 65 or older who lived in urban regions of Washington State. Um, During the analysis, researchers researched, that's what they do, right? Uh, (laughs) Each person's general and mental health due to various measures that reveal their access to green and blue spaces within their zip code. While close to 2% of the participants displayed signs of physiological distress, 19% reported dealing with fair or poor general health. So there you go. We need green spaces. And then we need blue spaces. And uh, and you uh, are muted. Doesn't it make sense, though? I kept trying to say the same thing over and over again. If you <laughs> like, had why a- are you ignoring <laughs> me, John? Like, John, if you have a place to walk, if you have a you know green space or park or walkways, pathways to walk through that you're, you know, you want to get out more and exercise because you've got a spot. You're not having to brave traffic or suck down exhaust as you walk through the streets. Mm, so exhaust. you probably feel healthier and better about your life. I don't That's know. true. Entertainment news? Entertainment News. Paris names a street after David Mm -hmm. Bowie celebrating the music icon's legacy. Paris immortalized the late British music icon David Bowie by naming a street after him in the city southeast on on what would be his 77th birthday on Monday. The inauguration of Rue David Bowie, David Bowie, 
was first announced in 2020 by Jérôme Cormet, uh, mayor of the uh, 13th arrondissement. I know I said that wrong. Mm -hmm. Neighborhood, district. Uh, Bowie died of cancer in 2016. Uh, the tribute celebrated Bowie's first Paris performance in 1965, his first outside of the UK, and his lasting impact on music and culture. Um, his influence on music with hits like Space Oddity and Let's Dance and on fashion are now permanently recognized in the Paris city landscape. That's cool. And I have to thank Ren0287 <sighs> for the $10 super sticker. Thanks for giving us a daily shot of positivity and stories of the unusual and the bizarre. And bizarre. Thank you for liking it. Ren0287, you are my favorite Ren. Yes. Ren0287. I love so your name too. So awesome. Um, okay. Thank you very much, Ren. Let's go to Willem Dafoe, who now has his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Oh, it happened oh. Monday afternoon. So just yesterday, his is the 2768th star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Jeez. And it's the first one of 2024. It's now, they say, his career cemented in Hollywood history. He's been in more than 150 movies. He has been nominated for four Academy Awards. They are um, The Boondock Saints, Spider-Man No Way Home, Platoon, and Shadow of the Vampire, The Florida Project, and the At Eternity's Gate, uh, some of those that he's been nominated for. Um, he had Patricia Arquette and Pedro Pascal there delivering speeches to mark the day. They say few people know we call Willem, Willem the Pope of Hollywood because he's one of those people who exceeds your hopes when you work with him, when you get to meet him. So that's pretty nice. Oh, the yeah. Pope of Hollywood. I thought maybe it's because he didn't believe in surrogacy. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, kind of cool. I always like when, you know, that happens. I, I've, I know, though, that this is all kind of a publicity stunt that you have to pay in order to get your star. So it's not, I mean, it is an honor, but also you have to pay. Like, if you said, no, I'm not coughing up the yeah, like your money agency, for the star. Your agency right? or whatever, your people. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Why don't, do you want to put a pin in uh, entertainment news so we're getting low on time and we can go into oh, Travel Tuesday? Okay, sure. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, let's move on to Travel Tuesday, and I believe we have a we have an image from Travel Tuesday, don't we? It's not in its usual spot. It got moved down. There it is. Travel Tuesday, I'm back, bitches. <laughs> oh, we're gonna do Tuesday's travel segment now, huh? Okay, fine. Take us Travel Tuesday. Take us on to Ryanair. What's going on? Oh no. Ryanair. I, uh, I've never been on Ryanair. I booked a ticket. It's the only time I've ever booked a ticket and never flown because it was only mm -hmm. like $20 and I, I had to uh, get home uh, quickly uh, for a family emergency. But a family missed out on their dream vacation all because of their one centimeter tear in their son's passport. Ugh. Oops, sorry. There you go. So, okay. Wow. Yeah. The That's Burton family it. was supposed to fly from England to Spain to celebrate New Year. Jake Burton, 19, was thrilled for his very first flight. His mother, Rachel Burton, told Business Insider, Jake, Rachel, and Jake's father, Chris, were scheduled to board a Ryanair flight on December 28th out of England's East Midlands Airport to Alicante, Spain, for an eight-day New Year's trip in nearby Benidorm. The family arrived at the airport, checked in for their flight, went through security, and finally arrived at the gate. Excitement and nerves for the first-time flyer set in. Rachel said the flight started boarding and when the family reached the desk to scan their tickets and have their passports checked, a Ryanair worker told Jake that his passport was damaged. 
he wasn't allowed to board the flight. A small tear oh, in his man. passport. That's On the first page of the passport... Above the page that displays his photo and information was a tear near the binding. You can see there on the top right, yeah. or in the middle right. Jake's passport had been issued in October 2022, and the family said they hadn't noticed the tear. They believe it happened when he used the passport recently as his main form of identification after his wallet and IDs were stolen. Um, they couldn't find anything on the airline's website with information about damaged passports, but a Ryanair representative told uh, Business Insider that the top corner of the passport was also missing. Um, and that in a statement, they said the 19 year old adult passenger was correctly refused travel on this flight. But the UK government says a damaged passport is one which the consumer or the customer cannot use as proof of identity because of its condition. This can include laminate peeling, detached pages uh, where the front, back, or personal details have been mm -hmm. cut, like damages, tears, rips, or bite marks, according to the website. Um, his parents were still able to board the flight. Rachel said their son encouraged them to go without him. There was no way on this planet. I just see you later, mom and dad. Bye. She said, I, I wouldn't have been able to enjoy myself. The family decided to look for other options. Um, she said that the Ryanair worker told her other airlines might be willing to accept the passport. It just shows you how stupid this is. The family headed to another budget airline's desk and were told the passport's tear was small and fine to travel with. Um, that, that's that's insane. Um, it shows you the inconsistencies. They accepted the passport right away and said they would try to get us on a different flight. Unfortunately, there wasn't any other flight available. Defeated, the family headed home. Uh, the, they first had to exit through border control. There, Rachel said the border control agent also thought that the passport looked fine. Oh, yeah. man, can you imagine? I'll be frustrated. Uh, yeah. Huge thanks. Huge thanks to Vilma for a $5 super sticker. She Vilma, said, thank it's you. not enough, but just to thank you for doing what you do every week. Vilma, thank you thank for you. that. That's it really nice. Enough. It Your support enough. goes a long way to encouraging us to keep going. So it's yeah. really appreciated. Mm -hmm. um, Mama Day Three Boys says, sounds like they wanted a bribe. Maybe. Or they're just. I don't know. Ah. I don't know. Ah. Well, now, if you don't want to go on a trip, you know, just tear that passport and you get right out of it. Oh, I don't know. But you would never refuse a, a trip to Hawaii. No, I Hawaii. would not. As a matter of fact, it looks like tourism is maybe rebounding a little bit. After the fire in Maui, things went downhill, right? And even after a couple months when they were trying to get tourists back, people weren't coming. Now, it looks like as of mid-November, airfares picking up to back to the islands and there are more people coming. As a matter of fact, it looks like the first folks back are Japanese visitors and that uh, demographic skyrocketing as far as tourism in Hawaii. The wonder is if U.S. visitors might be next, and it looks like it that may be the case, um, that they are seeing an uptick in tickets being purchased to Hawaii. So uh, they their thought is that, yeah, it looks like that December tourism numbers are still down, but some hotels are starting back welcoming guests again. They're still providing shelter for about 6,000 fire evacuees, but dozens of people are um, are camping on the beach as well, trying to make room for visitors to come. So the Hawaii News Now is reporting Japanese visitors are returning in the best number since the pandemic. Nearly 63,000 Japanese tourists went to Hawaii in November of 2023. That's a 142% increase from the previous year. They spent $95 million. And so the hope is that U.S. domestic tourism will now rebound there as well. Very cool. Yeah. 
um, if you're in uh, I don't know in a position where you want to plan some travel, uh, it turns out now might be the best time to do it. Need to recoup from the holidays? It turns out this is a great time to book your next trip. New data from the online booking platform Hopper. That's that app I told you about that kind of mm-hmm. predicts when tickets will be cheap or not so cheap. Shows that January will be the cheapest time to travel until the fall with domestic airfares averaging just $253, 11% lower than in December and 6% lower than last year in January. Save We're it where expecting, you can save it, right? Yeah, we are expecting the cost of domestic airfare to remain below 2023 and pre-pandemic levels for the next six months. For those booking trips for 2024, January will be the cheapest month of the year to book travel until the fall shoulder season. Um, in September and October. So now is a great time for travelers to take advantage of low prices and book those trips. Fares will rise into late spring as the spring break and summer travel period heats up. So get on it. There's a novel new way to travel by poop. Yeah. It's jets powered by poop. Human poop. Okay. It's not on, it's not on board the plane. People poop. Yep. It's not in the, it's not in the aisle way. Try to find these alternative sustainable jet fuels. No, it's not in the aisle way. Um, and sometimes, you know, you've heard of cooking oil being used as fuel. But now this company called Firefly Green Fuels, they're an aviation company in the UK. They have created jet fuel made entirely of human poop. Mm-hmm. So it's getting a little bit of attention. It's, uh, I don't know. I mean, there's no shortage of that, right? Yeah. Mm. They say commercial aviation produces about 2.5% of global carbon emissions. And it does um, contribute to climate change. So they're trying to reduce the impact with electric and hydrogen powered planes. That technology is still a long way off though. So now they're looking into... Um, alternative fuels with the International Air Transport Association estimating it could contribute up to 65% of the reduction in emissions needed for aviation to reach net zero by 2050. Yeah. So what they're trying to do here is take sewage because it's an untapped resource when it comes to alternative fuels and possibly a missed opportunity because there's loads of it. It's everywhere in the world. John asks really... a good question. What what's the question? Are the, Are the jet jets toilets, toilets directly... <laughs> directly connected to the engines? Wouldn't that be funny? Yeah, I think it has to be processed before you can use it. Processes Maybe I don't know. Standards. Yeah. So they're developing this um biodiesel. Well, first they tried to develop it made from rapeseed oil for cars and trucks. And now they've turned its hand to jet fuel and poop. You imagine mm-hmm. me on the flight, you're like looking around, you're like, did somebody toot? No, that's the fuel. Yeah, they've done it so far, small scale in a laboratory, but they say the early results have been promising. Researchers in the EU and the US finding it almost identical to the standard fossil jet fuel. According to a life cycle analysis carried out in the UK, 90% lower carbon footprint fit, footprint than standard jet fuel. So Firefly, this company, is looking to scale up production in the coming years. Maybe, I wonder if we could sell our poop to the jet fuel people. Yeah, maybe they want your fossils. Mm-hmm. Maybe they do. I got some fossils for you. We discovered these. <laughs> I don't know. These were from the McAllister fuel. era. I'm going to Hawaii, but I've paid for it by selling my poop. Yeah. 
Anyway, Delta Delta News. Delta um, Delta Delta. A frequent Delta. A frequent Delta Flyers travel hack earned him $315 in free sky miles last year. It only takes one minute. So some airlines are offering passengers free miles if they just wait longer than 20 minutes for their luggage. Well, that's interesting. In the Mm -hmm. past year, Micah Meyer told Business Insider that he earned 22,500 free Delta sky miles. The only thing he had to do was wait for his checked bags. This perk is part of Delta Airlines 20 minute baggage guarantee, which gives passengers 2,500 free sky miles if they wait for their if the wait for their bag is longer than 20 minutes after the plane has arrived to receive the compensation. Passengers must fill out a form that takes less than a minute to complete. Uh, He earned the free uh, miles on nine flights last year, and he calculated the sky miles worth $315 based on an evaluation of 1.4 cents per sky mile. That's enough for a, a round trip in the U.S., while some were earned by uh, by bags just being one minute late, Meyer said the average total time he waited for delayed bag was between 25 and 30 minutes. It's uh, an absolute bonus for nothing extra on my part, Meyer said, a travel writer and frequent traveler behind the Instagram account, Mike uh, Mike Hamey. Hamey. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, travel hack. Travel hack. There you go. Micah May. Um, this girl is fake. Fake, fake, fake. But... She's helping save human beings. Korea Air, Korean Air, is releasing a new in-flight safety video featuring virtual humans. The safety video influencer, <laughs> click like and subscribe. It's a, a alleged Korean Air flight attendant uniform the virtual human is wearing. Yeah, and they give safety instructions within a virtual setting. The airline is trying to reach its diverse customer base of all ages and cultural backgrounds. So they have created this sleek visual presentation to attract people's attention and increase engagement levels because no one pays attention, right? Do you think the Korean airline um, stewardesses or uh, flight attendants are happy that they don't have to do the whole, you know, stand up there and point at the yeah, emergency exits and all that stuff. I mean, maybe they, you know, are glad they don't have to do it. You know it. who does a good job of that? They, um, Virgin, Virgin Atlantic. Mm-hmm. They, their um, instruction videos are on the seat back. They're a video, they're animated cartoon. Oh, that's cool. And they're actually, they're funny and they're engaging and they get your attention. I like when the real people do it in the aisle. And I like when they kind of, you know, do it with personality and the person reading the script adds a little flair. Yeah, it's great. This video takes place in the Korean Air Safety Lounge designed with airplane motives. This virtual space created to make it easier to explain and understand the in-flight safety rules. This is Rena. Rena is fake. Hi, Rena. Rena gives your safety instructions in the flight attendant uniform. She is a virtual human who has completed safety training at Korean Air's cabin crew training center. How do you virtual human complete the training? And was appointed as an honorary flight attendant. AI. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Korean Air starts playing these new safety videos on all flights. They started it on January 4th. The video has also been released on the airline's official YouTube channel, at Korean Air in case you want to, you know, see how to be safe on Korean Airlines. Or maybe you just like Rena. I don't know. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that that's Travel Tuesday. Oh. It's Travel Tuesday. Travel Tuesday. Travel Tuesday. I'm going to skip to a... Oh, hi, I'm still here. <laughs> I'm going to skip to a, a Costco story, which I think is pretty interesting. 
Okay, Co- let's do it. Costco is testing a new major change to its membership checking policy. The retailer has reportedly added an extra member verification step to its flagship warehouse. Costco shoppers have long been required to flash their membership cards at warehouse entrances to prove that they pay to shop there, right? But the Mm -hmm. retailer is now taking that longstanding policy to a whole new level at one of its most important locations. This week, several Costco shoppers took to Reddit to report that the warehouse in Issaquah, Washington, has started scanning membership cards before allowing members to enter. A photo posted on the social forum showed a Costco employee taking a member's card next to a sign that read, you will be asked to scan your membership card before entering. Why? That's right. Um, so I think they want to look at the photo. But I, I, isn't the photo on the back of your card? Yeah. Maybe, they're have, maybe they have fake cards? I don't know. Um, it would display the member's picture on the, uh, for the employee to check upon scanning the card. The new membership checking requirement has only been implemented at this Issaquah warehouse so far. That makes sense considering that Issaquah location, which is very close to their headquarters, frequently tests out their new products and services before warehouses in other parts of the country receive them. While Costco only knows the true reason behind the extra membership step, Redditors speculated that the move was meant to prevent non-members from entering the warehouse. Unsurprisingly, customers had no shortage of opinions on the change. On one, on the one hand, some were aggravated that the location is now scanning cards. Uh, honestly, it's annoying. Why do they need to check your ID twice? On top of people wanting or waiting at the entrance to dig out their card. Now there's another choke point for people to jockey into position to scan their mm-hmm. cards. What a nightmare, said another person. However, others defended the move and said it won't really affect their shopping experience. Some had hoped that scanning the cards would weed out any non-members right at the entrance so employees don't have to deal with them inside the warehouse. Um, I get, because you just flash your card, they're not really looking at the photo, so I guess it would kind of force them to look at the photo. God, I look so young in my Costco photo. I must have had this thing for years and they, they don't take a necessarily, it's not like the DMV where they no. require you to come in for a new you photo. To, they should have to take a test to drive the, the oversized carts. Cause a, a lot of y'all, a lot of y'all don't know how to drive your shopping cart through Costco. Just saying. <laughs> and don't stop was, right in the middle when you're right in the middle of the freeway. There are people behind you. Uh, I was trying to take a picture of it, but I'm not successful anyway. Yeah. I think they should maybe, I don't know. I think that would create a bottleneck. But I wonder Although if I they're... got in I got in and out of Costco uh in Novato uh on the way to my mom's birthday uh celebration in right. five minutes to pick her up flowers because they're really good flowers oh, at yeah. the price. Mm-hmm. I walked in, found the flowers, went to self-checkout, no wait, scan, boom, walked out, and the guy checking the receipts is like Costco, one item. And I'm like, Yeah, <laughs> in and out, five minutes. Thank you, self checkout. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty good. That was it. Um, do you have time for any anything else? No, we do well, not have time for anything else. No, Kim. Oh man, we're done for the day. Grady, but we have people to thank. Ten dollars super sticker. You totally rock, dude. Also, Ren for the ten dollars super sticker. Thank you for your nice and kind words as well. And Vilma for the $5 and your nice words. Thank you guys for contributing to the show. Thank you to Yvonne B and Gretchen L and all the other regular contributors who have their ongoing uh, contributions through PayPal. That's what really keeps the show going. We appreciate it. So many stories we didn't get to today. So many. You know what that means? We'll do them tomorrow. Oh, we'll do it again tomorrow. Okay. We'll write it and then we'll do it live. Have a great afternoon, everybody. Bye. Bye, John Daly. Bye. Bye.